sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you stop. like. Well, stop! Just for Ben! Oh! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Ben! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it's been... We're, be we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. Well, I mean, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something. We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up, when we finally turn it over, make a beeline towards... All right, you're very welcome along to the Friday Football Podcast. Adrian Barry with you today, and alongside me, Nathan Murphy. Afternoon, Nathan. Adrian, how's it going? Going good. And Dave McIntyre. How are you, Dave? Good day, you merry gentlemen. Our uh, format will be uh, tweaked again a little bit today. We've been turfed out of our regular studio, which gives us access to all our little uh, fancy bits of jingles and stuff like that. So I presume it's a genuine to... superstar that has thrown us out of genuine, our... Genuine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk overly about it, because, uh, you know, who knows when these things get to air eventually. <laughs> to give away the secrets of, uh, of radio. Uh, but yeah, it does mean that we're not going to have our... Um, what have become the usual little interruptions from uh, Bill Hurley and Roy Keane, etc. So it'll just be a gentle... Let's so we can ramble on for as long as we want, Dave. <laughs> Shut up so and move on to the next topic. That's going to be the general uh, general run of things today. Every day at work. Uh, we'll get to our trebles a bit uh, later on, but just to do a quick uh, recap on last week, we are now four rounds in, and each week four of us have given our four predictions of a treble, and as yet we're still waiting for the first man to get over the line. Nathan, you got one out of three last week. You got Everton to beat West Brom. Thank you. Um, you'd done pretty well the previous week, if uh, memory serves. Dave, you got two out of three last week. You Bloody got Everton Stoke. and Southampton. Leicester Man winning City at Stoke. Stoke. Yeah, that have done Did me you? in consecutive weeks. Jared got none out of three. He's not even here to defend himself. And I also got two out of three. I had Everton and United and Liverpool uh, let me down. So we're going to get to our predictions for this weekend uh, coming towards the end. A couple of things to talk about before we get into the live football um, for the weekend. Two games live on Off the Ball on Sunday. But before all that, uh, the announcement in the last little while that Ireland is to host some games at Euro 2020. Four games in all, two of them uh, will be Ireland's if we manage to qualify. So Dublin and Glasgow get three group games each and the last 16 match. As do Copenhagen, Bucharest, Amsterdam, Bilbao, Budapest and Brussels. There actually weren't a huge amount of countries to have missed out on this thing as it turns out. Or cities. Stockholm, Skopje, Jerusalem... Um, 100% sure it's in uh, Europe, uh, Sofia and <laughs> Minsk. Really? Do we Have we not played Israel? Yeah, yeah we haven't played them in Jerusalem, though. Oh, played true. them in Tel Aviv, yes, actually. True. Good point. Um, also, same country, by the way, so uh, point still stands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess if, if it's part of the same country, there's a very good chance it's still in Europe. No, it's it's not in Europe, but obviously for the purposes of football, they're in UEFA, completely in uh, UEFA. Um, so yeah, there weren't a huge amount of countries necessarily to miss out in here. And the quarterfinals go to Munich, Rome, St. Petersburg, and Baku, which is in Azerbaijan. Again, not hundred percent sure of its European credentials, but obviously in UEFA. Yeah. Um, so that's the way it goes. Wembley gets the final. The Germans withdrew from that. It's been a pretty good twenty-four hours for England, all told. They get to keep their neighbours at close quarters, and uh, the Germans also helping out by withdrawing from the vote for the final. Uh, apparently, to focus on the twenty twenty-four uh, campaign instead. A bit of a trek if you're lucky enough to make the quarterfinals and you're sent out to Baku, and then you win, and you've to presumably head to decide Wembley that then. sort of geographically as well. So whoever Azerbaijan well, really is actually geographically makes no odds. It's still a million still miles. It's not as far as you might think. It's it's um, my recent trip to Georgia brought me up to speed with all my uh, 
quasi-European uh, geography, and uh, Dagestan is a country that borders Georgia, which I'd, my, my initial feeling was that Georgia was actually much closer to us. Is Dagestan where Angie Makachkala play? Are they not just in... Are they not, uh, yeah, where they, they, they're based in Moscow, yes. but they just fly down. Ah. To play their games. So Dagestan isn't actually a country. Right. It's not it's an a, independent it's a, country. It's a principality. It's a break... Uh, Potential breakaway. Yeah, a splinter yeah. former Soviet state, I guess we could Anyway, my point as is that Azerbaijan is not maybe as far away as many But expect. it's not It's not down the road in Nace either. It isn't. But <laughs> uh, depending on who... Obviously, if Russia qualified for the next round, then it kind of makes an obvious thing to do. Well, they would play in St. Petersburg, presumably. Ah, yes, they would. Which is definitely in Russia. Yeah. Well, look, the fact is it's great news because we could get, hopefully qualify and the situation qualifying-wise would be the same as it is for France in 2016. Possibly three from a group getting through. And we could have two home games at a major tournament. How spectacular would that be? Well, yeah, great for the city of Dublin to get this. But from a purely footballing point of view, if we can qualify to have that bounce that you automatically get, that teams always seem to get from having games in your own country, mm-hmm. means potentially we could be starting to think about last 16 quarterfinals. But or winning the tournament. What? Let's go all out there. Lads, let's make it six years away. It's uh, (laughs) six years away. Uh, Like, I mean, even the thoughts of qualification at this point. Much more interesting than all of that. John Delaney apparently was, uh, according to one of the football, uh, Nathan makes the face of, which is a purely, should we really be broadcasting this? Well, it was put out there a little earlier today that uh, John Delaney was singing some tunes last night. He was pretty confident that uh, the FAI were going to get over the line here. Well, look it. We're going out tonight. We might sing some tunes. Doesn't mean we're not doing our job tomorrow. Does it? Yes. Probably. Well, in my case, I'm definitely not because I'm off. But uh, you two chumps, you want to try and keep it a bit of a clear Just because we sing a couple of songs tonight doesn't mean we won't be on air at two o'clock tomorrow broadcasting to the very best of our abilities. Well, it kind of does. Just because you're singing songs doesn't mean... There's alcohol consumed. Exactly. And doesn't mean that you're unprofessional. People are allowed to sing songs. I would wonder, this news today, I'm sure it made its way over to Los Angeles to the... Therapy room and the the dressing rooms of LA Galaxy will Robbie Easy. Keane consider Easy, Dave. extending his international be, career to uh, be take in this tournament. Would he be because over the chances 40? are he's going to be our best finisher? What in age is he now? Thirty-four, isn't he? Thirty-four. Thirty-five. Is he thirty-five now? He's going to be it's forty or forty-one. Years. Surely, surely. I mean, no. Look, well, that's not even. Will Shane Long have learned to finish by <laughs> twenty twenty? Let's move on and talk about some uh, actual football that's coming up this weekend. There are two live games on off the ball on Sunday, as I mentioned. So we're going to talk uh, firstly about the Sunday football, if that's all right with you two chumps. Uh, Leicester City against Manchester United is our first game on Sunday at half past one. Uh, Stephen Ward will be making his co-commentary debut there alongside Mark Scott for that one. And then after that, we are over to the Etihad Stadium where Nathan will be there alongside Stephen Reid. The only game that matters on Sunday. It's Manchester City. It's really the only game that matters this entire weekend. Manchester City against Chelsea. Will we start with that one then, perhaps? It's one of the uh, four o'clock games on Sunday, one of two. It's Everton Crystal Palace and the other one. And I feel a little bit sorry for Petr Cech this weekend, I have to say. He is the odd man out as potentially Terry, Drogba and Lampard are all back on the same pitch together. Yeah, 10 years ago, uh, Jose Mourinho's first season in charge. Chelsea only lost one game the entire season. It was at the city of Manchester Stadium, to Manchester City, 1-0. Petr Cech was playing, Frank Lampard was playing, John Terry was playing. They're all still around. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the possibility, obviously, that Lampard, Lampard won't play. play. Frank Lampard won't play. He certainly won't start. He Drogba might come Drogba on might for a few minutes play. at the end. No, well, Lampard certainly won't. He looked way off the pace last So did Drogba uh, in the Champions League during the week. This is a big game. It's very early in the season. This is going to tell a lot about Chelsea as to whether or not they could run away with this title. If they go, like they did last season, and win at the Etihad, 
They'll be eight points clear mm. of Manchester City already. Now, I was talking to Dan McDonald on the football show about this last night, and I think both of us are in agreement that maybe we don't, aren't going along with this, or Chelsea are just going to dominate the entire season. They haven't been tested. City have had a really difficult start. They've played is it six games. Well, this will be their seventh game. They'll have played Arsenal twice, Liverpool, Bayern Munich. So Chelsea haven't fit. Everton's their only test. They conceded and, three and goals. Stoke. And Stoke. The, the, in terms of their title credentials, I think that's an interesting point. They drew with one, uh, one, one with Schalke during the week and looked like an entirely more beatable prospect. Diego Costa... Uh, he didn't start the game and maybe this is the variable he came on with 15 minutes to go for Drogba as you said he wasn't having a good, great game uh, Mourinho saying that he can't play three games in a week and he does have to seem, uh, seem to have some sort of a hamstring strain as well but as you point out Chelsea 4 from 4 all of games uh, of which Costa has actually started in so the idea that Chelsea are a bit of a lesser product obviously without him and I mean I think that's a given but are do, do Chelsea's uh, title credentials rest on Costa being fit for the rest of the season? Well, we don't know what Loic Remy's going to do if he comes in. If Costa stays fit for the entire season, if he plays 35, 36 goals, the rate he's at, he could match Luis Suarez of last season. And then Chelsea do probably plays win the title. Plays 36 games. Plays 36 games and yeah. he scores over 30 goals. They probably mm. do win the title. Yeah. And the evidence is, of the first four games, if he's not fit, it's a massive blow. You really couldn't see where the goals are going to come from. But Loic Remy's done it several times he was very good at Newcastle he got some great goals for QPR I'm sure he could slot in whether or not his return would be the same as Diego Costa who knows but it has to be a worry if he's talking about the fact that he can't play three games in a week maybe can't play two games in a week that is a big worry for the entire season The other question mark about Chelsea I think is the one area of a potential weakness is at the centre of defence Terry and Cahill still are prone to just lapses of concentration I still think Ivanovic is their best Centre back. The only problem with Ivanovic is that he's so good going forward that yeah. uh, he offers some. I mean, in terms of actually scoring goals and providing as well, you're going to be you're definitely going to be missing out something if you put, bring him into the centre. It can all. Was it two years ago when Roberto Di Matteo was there and Chelsea made this incredible start to the season and everyone presumed they're just going to cruise to this title and then a month later Di Matteo sacked. There's always that potential with Chelsea that they lose two or three games, suddenly Mourinho's moaning, Abramovich isn't happy. And it all goes to pop very, very quickly. Mm. They're the one club that it can disintegrate in the space of a month. And that is the one reason why I'm just not fully convinced by them yet. They'll be very tight at the back this weekend, you would feel. But they've conceded six goals in the last three games. And that is not what you expect from a team that's managed by Jose Mourinho. And in previous seasons, when they've gone on runs like that, he has just pretty much spent the entire time on the training pitch focusing on defending. And I would say it would be very good money to put on Chelsea not conceding a goal this weekend because they conceded three against Everton. Schalke could have had a couple on where was it last night or Tuesday night? Last night or Wednesday night. And they were opened up by Swansea twice for goals and it could have happened at least mm. a couple of more times. So I think they're going to be looking very closely at Cahill and Terry and Matic and Ramirez was absolutely torn apart by Drexler on Wednesday evening for the Schalke goal. That'd be a big worry because he's one of their best athletes. So he can be got at as well. And Manchester well, also, City Fabregas maybe have the players to do it. On that point, like who has been one of the success stories for Chelsea this season, did a most un-Chelsea-like thing and was just very easily dispossessed of the ball in the mm. lead into that Huntelaar uh, goal, which I'd imagine uh, Jose wasn't overly pleased about. Uh, City, it's probably a good time for Chelsea to be going to City because they haven't started well, they haven't found the rhythm yet. And you're talking about our trebles and not having any winners yet. It's because there's been quite a few shock results and a lot of teams, probably a bit of a post-World Cup hangover for a lot of players who 
maybe started their preseason a little bit later. They're not fully fit quite yet. Yaya Toure is the prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Who, whether or not it's he's lost interest, he's and disinterested, that, says Paul Scholes. Yeah, ex Manchester United guy having a go at Manchester City's star player. I'm not sure I'd read a huge amount yeah. into it. Also, wouldn't read a huge amount into Yaya Toure having a bit of a laugh and a joke with Pep Guardiola. But he scored 20 goals last season from midfield in the Shouldn't league. Shooting the breeze he was, Nathan, is the specific phrase you're after there. Yeah, these things happen. Shooting the breeze. They haven't won for three games. Um, make this failure to win on Saturday or on Sunday would obviously be a fourth. I don't know when that last happened for, for Manchester City. The Premier League at large, in terms of what we might expect in the title race in May, they we need Chelsea not to win this game. We do want to move on uh, a little bit, but uh, an interesting clash of personalities as well. Uh, by the way, Jose Mourinho saying that the 1-0 loss to Bayern during the week will make City a stronger team, that uh, they'll learn all their lessons from it. But an interesting clash of personalities on the touchline and a pretty good line. I was reading Richard Jolly in uh, ESPN on ESPN this week. Pellegrini is seen as the man who puts fires out, Mourinho, as the arsonist. <laughs> which I think is a fantastic line. I think it sums up both of them well. And two guys with a pretty interesting history. Mourinho, obviously, uh, replacing Pellegrini at Madrid. And then called Pellegrini the first loser after Malaga finished uh, runners-up in La Liga. These two guys really don't like each other. And Pellegrini has shown a lot of signs that he'll rise to the Mourinho bait. Once or twice he did last season, but by and large, he just likes to keep out of the spotlight. He does, but only only when it comes to Mourinho, it seems. He's the one who has this little bit of a, the key to unlock, a little bit of rage there. And he did have the last laugh with City winning the title at Chelsea's expense. Chelsea won both games against City last City season. City last season, true. I like Pellegrini. I think his team are almost a reflection of him now as well, in that... There's never a huge amount of drama with Manchester City now, which is something you never would have said. City were on a Newcastle scale yeah. of drama five, ten years ago. Whereas now, they just go about their business quietly. They do things mm-hmm. right on and off the pitch. They're a very likeable side. There's a good article uh, by was it Rory Smith about why do we hate Chelsea but like Manchester City, even though it's pretty much the mm-hmm. same business model. It's just they, they do things properly. They don't have John Terry. Yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea in the successful model that they are have been around for longer as well. And ultimately, I think that's a big factor that people, over the first few years, you give them a lot of slack and then ultimately you're like, right, we've had enough of them winning things. Their, their win at the Etihad last season was one of the best performances of any club in this entire season. And I would imagine Jose Mourinho has watched that DVD several times this week. Ivanovic got a brilliant winner. Chelsea were set up so organised, really defensive. I would say they'll take to the field with pretty much the exact same blueprint this weekend. We spoke on our GEA podcast yesterday about Jim McGuinness and Eamon Fitzmaurice spending more time than anyone else on the on opposition. The opposition. Yeah. Jose Mourinho is that in the Premier League. The way they played against City last season at the Etihad and the way they played against Liverpool at Anfield, where he had gone through it, he had figured out these teams completely, set up his players, they worked to his system and they won the game where pretty much nobody else won all se- nobody else won at the Etihad all season. And, and only Southampton won only at Anfield. Southampton won at Anfield. So I think it'll be a really enjoyable game. The good thing about City is, in the big games against the other leading teams, they let them play a bit of football. They mm-hmm. let Chelsea have the ball and pass it around. So while there mightn't be a huge amount of goals, City games are always very entertaining. There's always a lot of... Re- the, the best players come to the fore and it's always a really entertaining game. That's the kind of insight you can expect this uh, Sunday afternoon where Nathan is alongside Stephen Reid. Manchester City against Chelsea from 4 o'clock. Uh, just a very quick word on the two other games before we get to our other match on Sunday. Everton against Crystal Palace. Everton, a bit of a wobbly start to the Premier League. Beat uh, Wolfsburg 4-1 last night in the Europa League. Uh, McCarthy, McGeady and Coleman played 90 minutes. Gibson came on with 10 minutes to go and... 
his first game back for Everton in 11 months. suspect he's still got a little bit to go to uh, wangle a first, first pick in that Everton team. Well, he's not going to get in. He's not going to get into that first 11 in the system they're playing. Now, they have the Europa League, so they'll have a lot of matches. I presume he'll play a lot of matches in that Europa League. But it's Gareth Barry and James McCarthy in the mm. two holding positions. And Gibson is going to really struggle to get in there. Unless he's playing so well that Martinez can't leave him out and he changes his system somewhat. Maybe plays him a little bit more advanced. Everton do seem to have turned things around in the last couple of weeks. Mainly because they've got rid of Sylvain Distan out of defence and stuck John Stones in at centre-back. All right, that's Everton Crystal Palace. Dave, you can give us a word on Tottenham West Brom. Uh, Spurs drew nil nil with uh, Partizan Belgrade in the Europa League last night. They're one nil up at Sunderland after two minutes last weekend, and ended up drawing two two. And it's, that's kind of summarises Maurizio Pochettino's Spurs for me so far this season. Yeah, well, being one one nil up after a couple of minutes is one thing, but being two one up with a couple of minutes to go and not managing to win the game it would be a more of an indictment of of Tottenham. But I think Tottenham have actually side if you take the Liverpool performance out. They actually have had a pretty decent start of the season. A lot of teams will actually drop points at the Stadium of Light. So that result taken on its own merits isn't a disaster. Belgrade is a tough spot to go and get a point as well. They do seem to be able to manage the group stages of the Europa League very well. It just depends on how they bounce back afterwards. Um, West Brom are awful. This is the perfect game if you have to make a trip from Eastern Europe to come back home and play a game in the Premier League. It's absolutely perfect for Tottenham. And West Brom are really limp against Everton. They haven't won a game yet and... I would think if he could handpick the opposition for this weekend, Pochettino probably would have looked towards West Bromwich Albion. Damn it. Is it too late to change my uh, <laughs> already defined no. treble? You've just convinced me. Uh, the other match on Sunday is our other live game at half past one. Leicester City against Manchester United at the King Power Stadium. Uh, Mark Scott and Stephen Ward uh, will be there, which will be interesting to hear from him. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a word on Euro 2020 as well. A guy who will uh, most likely be around at that point. He'll be... In his, what is he, 27, about 27 thereabouts now? Is he not a bit older than that? No, let's not speculate on his age, but I'm gonna say six years' time is a long way away for anybody to be considering playing for Ireland. United uh, beat QPR 4-0 last weekend. It was really one of the stories of the weekend. Falcao didn't start and Mata did, which was also one of the stories. Obviously, Louis van Gaal will change his team uh, selections and formations. As it goes, it's perhaps not a great pointer uh, to what's to come for the rest of the season, but the game was pretty much over by the time Falcao came on. A ruthless performance, and regardless of who they were playing... It's regardless of who they were playing, it's been a while since we've been able to say that. Can yeah. you say regardless of who they were playing? Because Queen's Park Rangers were as poor Yes, but the point about it is they've played lots of those Trafford. type of teams over the last little while, over the last not 12 months. Not quite as bad as Queen's Park Rangers. Well, well... Who made well, as you, little you effort. Could, now, I'm not, I'm not taking away, United did everything. It was a ruthless performance. That's my point. Regardless of the opposition, it doesn't matter who they've played over the last while, we've never been able to say that. Well, I don't know... Was it as ruthless as you're making out? Because it was 3-0 at half time, and I was in Old Trafford with Stephen Reid and we were talking off air at half time thinking they could easily get eight here today and they only actually got one more goal in the second half. Their Chelsea have started the season so well they were already comfortably ahead of United in goal difference and I was thinking this is the opportunity that if United actually have ambitions of winning the title that they can take care of that goal difference deficit right here in this second half because QPR are there to be ripped apart and they actually only got the Mata goal in the second half. You have to qualify everything and I'm sure Louis van Gaal will have spent the entire week saying to his players, look, you cannot get carried away because you were playing an absolute shambolic team at Old Trafford last weekend but they did get four goals and what he will be pleased with most is the fact that the new signing seemed to gel extremely quickly because Rojo I think had a wonderful game at left back um, Di Maria was the man of the match he got a 20 minutes or 25 minutes under the belt of Falcao 
and Daly Blind looked really excellent. Ander Herrera was probably one of the best players on the pitch. It'll be more difficult this weekend. Leicester will make it far more awkward for them. It'll be very similar to the Burnley game when United could create nothing. Mm. And this will tell us whether they actually have improved. Two things on United. A lot of speculation about Mata and presumption that he will be the man to miss out. Watching them last Sunday, the man to miss out is going to be Robin Van Persie. Yeah. yeah. Whatever is wrong with him, he is a shadow of the player he was. Whether he is carrying a knee injury, he needs an operation, he looks like he's completely lost all confidence in himself. Hasn't scored this season? No. They all had something to prove. Mata and Van Persie perhaps had the most to prove. Mata was very good. He had a hand in one of the goals, Rooney's goal, and he scored the one that was laid on for him by Angel Di Maria. Van Persie had run really good chance, couldn't take it. He'd won really good chance against Burnley, didn't take it. And I would agree that if you're going on all-known form, and you would hope that Louis van Gaal will not be a man that would stand for sentiment when it comes to Van Persie. Mm. If Falcao's banging them in in training, yeah. it'll only be RVP that drops That out. was the only game that RVP started and finished so far for United this season, quite clearly coming back from an injury. But I thought it was interesting that when Falcao came on, that would have seemed like the pretty obvious swap. But he didn't, for whatever reason, decide to take Van Persie off. And maybe it points to the manager actually understanding that Van Persie is not quite where he needs to be and at the minute. The minute and so give him the best. confidence. And it was a chance to see for about 25 minutes exactly what life would be like with the three of them on the pitch, yeah. Van Persie, Rooney and Falcao. And straight away it was Rooney that was pretty much cut. He was the man who ended up in the centre midfield position and he left Falcao and Van Persie up front. Now whether that's important uh, for what may come in weeks and months to come, obviously life will be made very much easier for Van Gaal if one of the three picks up an injury. And that'll be the end of it. The other point I took from last Sunday was looking at that United team with Rocco, Blind, Mata, Herrera, Di Maria, Rooney, Van Persie, Falcao, is if they don't finish in the top four, it is a catastrophe. Well, I mean, There's, they're already three games in. You see, the, the problem is already, that's like, what was it, two, three points from nine games, two points? What was well, it? Two points, two points from, 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 first, from three from, games. From, 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 from nine now. points, yeah. I mean, like, that's already a concession of seven points. And, like, if they are... If but they, it, it's not, though. They're only now. a point behind Liverpool. They're only a point behind they Arsenal. Conceive, only my two point is that at the end of the season, they could conceivably get close to the top four and end up missing out by two or three points. Well, they're going to have to beat the teams around them if they want to finish in the top four. I think this United team, if they can somehow tighten up at the back because they're so vulnerable mm. at the back, they could easily finish in the top four, even maybe the top three because Arsenal look dreadful at the moment. I don't think Liverpool, I think Liverpool are in a really awkward spot. We'll come to them shortly. Mm. And I think United will look at the situation now and go, life is so much different yeah. if you're involved with Manchester United than compared to what life was like 10 days ago. The world has turned on its axis completely and they will be approaching this game with Leicester really confident knowing that at four o'clock, Chelsea and City are going to take points off each other and suddenly they'll start to think way bigger than just finishing the top four but I mentioned what goes on at the back against one of the worst teams in the division probably a team that's going to get relegated United were opened up twice some, and it's gifting opportunities to the opposition now it's fellas like David Silva and Sergio Aguero they don't need you to gift them opportunities they'll create them themselves if QPR had anybody with a goal scoring now they would have scored a couple of goals and the major mistake that was made by De Gea Blackett and Johnny Evans was when the score was 1-0 and that would have completely mm, turned the game. Yeah. All of the anxiety and frustration would have returned and United would have been back to the situation against Burnley. Dave's right as well that it has turned on its axis because when Van Gaal was coming in a few weeks ago saying, well, we're going to push for the top four this season, next season we'll be in the top four and then the third season I expect us to win the league. That's all out the window now. With the players they've signed, the amount of money they've spent, if it gets to Christmas and they're struggling badly and it's not looking like they're get, going to get in the top four... You're going to have Gary Neville. You're going to have the class of 92, Scholes, all these guys 
piping up once again and rightly asking questions because you spend that amount of money you have that mm. much quality there's no reason why United shouldn't be finishing mm. in the top but four David Moyes must be looking at the situation and thinking if only I could have been in the place that Valui van Gaal is in well now. you see and he probably they, wouldn't like ultimately I was thinking about that today actually, and ultimately he wouldn't have been there well, I, no. I don't think I don't, uh, would the players yeah, have gone for him point. and would they the board have, would the board have given him the money to do that like, I don't really, know really Daily Blind is there because van Gaal is there edit the, that piece out <laughs> <laughs> the other point you would make is that if they can just manage their fixtures and take enough points between now and January the window opens on the 1st of January. There'll be a lot of teams from big clubs, uh, particularly, say, say Bundesliga teams, uh, some of the Italian teams who will be pretty much out of the Champions mm. League. And their players will be looking for a move if Manchester United come calling. So someone like Mats Hummels, for example, if he's fit. And I think United could buy two really good central defenders in January and that would change it all over again. The cards just seem to be falling his way at the moment after a really tough start. But we could be here next week when they've dropped points at uh, the King Power Stadium and it'll be a real sense of revisionism yet again. Yeah. Uh, Leicester City uh, got their first win of the season, beat Stoke last time out. Can be Asso came on at halftime uh, against Stoke, who's pretty decent actually, and set up the winner for Ujoa. He's right up there now in your new man love. <laughs> going to get a little jingle, I think, for next uh, week's podcast. While you're, well, while you're away, actually, yeah. Because yeah. it was a bad week in one sense, in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting the boot. Was he one of my former loves? He was up there, yeah. He was up I there don't as know well. That he, well. No, I don't think he was. No, Vincent Tan, oh, Vincent was, the, Tan was the love connection guy. there, yeah. yeah. So, Dusan um, Tadic and Esteban Cambiasso. Well, listen, you know, I have some other guys that are on the opposite side of that scale that hasn't gone exactly my way, uh, particularly last weekend. It's Might a savage tough game. <laughs> They've taken a point against Everton, taken a point against Arsenal and gone to Stoke and won. They're definitely, the, by far and away, the best of the promoted sides. Yeah. Uh, it's a meeting of the team with the lowest possession average. Leicester have just under 37% uh, against the team with the highest. Um, United have 63% or thereabouts so it should be an interesting game that's Leicester against Manchester United uh, Mark Scott Stephen Ward live on off the ball this coming Sunday let's, uh, we're in sort of going backwards mode here so let's continue that way the late game on Saturday West Ham against Liverpool at Upton Park the half five game Balotelli opens his Liverpool account during the week uh, doesn't do a huge amount against Ludogorets. Uh, Dave we'll come to you on this one it was a late Gerrard penalty uh, that was required there and then the captain afterwards saying that Liverpool have a lot to learn but uh, Balotelli specifically, sort of from the little bit that I saw, it seemed to sort of wander around the game, not doing a huge amount, giving out to his teammates, and then a little bit of genius with the goal. It's, it's little that'll be a bit harsh. He worked extremely hard on Tuesday, but the vast majority of his work was done 30, 40 metres from the opposition goal, and that is not why they brought him in, particularly when Daniel Sturge isn't in the team. They needed a spearhead, a focal point for the attack, and Balotelli simply didn't give it to them. He was picking the ball up in the halfway line, in between midfield and his own central defenders. He was uh, snapping into tackles, trying to win the ball back, which is all well and good and displays a really good appetite, and maybe he's conscious of the fact that his reputation precedes him, and he needs to convince the Anfield support that look I'm here to stay and I really believe in what we need to do here but he's got to do any damage in the centre circle he needs to get forward and the one real chance he got he scored took the chance brilliantly used his strength and stuck it away but the victory papers over monumental cracks in Liverpool you're missing Sturge and Suarez you are missing pretty much your entire attack that, I did the commentary on the Villa game on Saturday evening I did the commentary on Tuesday night for the Ludogorets game mm. they are so devoid of any creativity, they're terribly blunt. Can I ask and you I about think that point? Really going to the, struggle. One one report in the game that I read said that Lallana was ineffective. Was the word that was used, and yeah, he was a guy who tore teams apart for Southampton many times. Not exactly single-handedly, but there or thereabouts. And he was brought off with twenty-five minutes to go. So is that injury-related, or was there a greater? Like I would think you need to, in some ways, almost build a team around getting him on the ball. Um, I would say he needs more time. 
to play, not on time just to settle into a big club, but time to actually get himself fit because he only made his debut against Villa last Saturday. Like he was waiting a long time to actually pull on a Liverpool shirt, and yeah, he was really ineffective and he was brought off. The other thing, when you mentioned Lalana coming off and guys coming on for him, the bench is woeful at Liverpool now. Jose Enrique, they're missing Cola so Torre, many players. Ricky Lambert, Lucas, Fabio Barino, Abarini, and Suso. There was nobody hasn't on that played for Liverpool in a year and a half that you would look towards to change the game, and they're missing. I think it was six of their first team players that were missing at the week or on Flanagan, Tuesday evening. Johnson, Skirtle, Joe Allen, Sturridge. Yeah, Sturridge. they have an injury crisis. And Emery, Emery Chan is missing as well. So when you look at the bench, there's nothing there. When you look on the pitch, even with Sterling on the field, there is absolutely no creativity. And they're going to a West Ham team that are actually very confident now after a brilliant result and at times some wonderful football on um, Monday evening against Hull and who've come up with a couple of decent results. Stat attack, Adrian. Yes, let's have it. West Ham completed 387 passes against Hull on Monday night. Their highest Premier League tally in four years. At one stage, they had three strikers on the pitch. And they looked like a team not being managed by Sam Allardyce. Yeah. (laughs) It's bizarre. Well, ultimately... Like, like I'd hate to see, I'd hate to see Big Sam change his Abandon football his philosophy. philosophy. <laughs> because ultimately, like he's got it. Like if things aren't going to work out for him, he can't leave and go. Well, I wasn't allowed to play the way I wanted to play. You got to have your own style and play that way. If the club doesn't want you, like I mean, he's fairness. That's the way. That's he's built an entire career out of this. Is he paid the same as Roy Hodgson? I think he might he's be. One of, he's in the top ten. Five of, million a year he's on. Isn't he in the, the top ten of world football yeah. managers? So if you're on that type of salary and your owners come and say. Listen, we need you to adapt things or get out. You might say, I like this. Uh, well, see you later. Give me a massive, a massive yeah, paycheck. You don't know how the contract works, whether you, he's going to get a massive payoff. And you don't know where you're going to end up next in football. There's a lot of good managers looking mm. for, the jo- for jobs at the moment. You get sacked by West Ham. You don't know where you're going to go. You could end up at Cardiff or Leeds Big Sam or somewhere will always crazy. get a job. He, a, he doesn't need the money and he will always get a job. You were at Upton Park for the Liverpool game last season. Is that yeah. correct? 2-0, two, two penalties. 2-1. Two, 2-1 and that was in the midst of Liverpool's 11 game streak Yeah, arguably the Southampton game was the toughest one they had to play I mean it was an extremely difficult afternoon for them wasn't it the penalties got them out of jail well the grass was very the, long the West day. Ham game yeah. was the toughest one they had to play yeah. yeah and the West Ham game actually was a precursor of what happened against Chelsea mm. because West Ham sat back and didn't give them any space and Liverpool struggled during that game throughout to get to get Suarez involved to get Sterling, Coutinho was ineffective as he's been in a lot of games where there's not much space, where teams sit back. But they got lucky with the two, pen- sec- particularly with the second uh, penalty decision that day. And the problem for Liverpool is, you look at the two games that cost them the title, where Chelsea sat back and they couldn't break them down. That problem is there more and more now, where teams sit back and don't give them any space. And, and, uh, like Rogers Aston Villa admitted did last as week. much after the Ludogorets game. He said, "We need to learn because we are not going to get the space that we got last season." And you, we, you, one of you mentioned Torre. You said he's a shadow of the player he used to be. You've just mentioned Philip Coutinho. This guy is on a different planet at the moment compared to what he was like six months ago. He was taken off early on Tuesday night. He was taken off early on Saturday evening. He doesn't seem to be able to... All of his passing now is no longer... He didn't start the game against Spurs. The incredible incision that he had a year ago is gone. Every time he tries to open a defence, he kicks it straight to the defender. He looks like a man terribly low on confidence and another reason why they simply are not creating any chances. I don't want to go over Steven Gerrard again. But the problem, but. but, 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 the problem remains of Lovren was criticised and, okay, the positioning wasn't great. But you look at the goal that Liverpool conceded to Ludogorets, 
How long was left when Ludogorets injured or equalised? Oh, they were in, almost in injury, injury time. time. Gerard and Henderson are both on the halfway line almost. Moreno is pretty much up in the opposition. But Lucas was on the pitch at that stage as well. He, I mean, where, what about and there his is position? no defensive midfielder anywhere. There's this massive gap between midfield and defence. So, like the Crystal Palace game at the end of last season, they still haven't learned how to close a game down. Southampton opening day of the season. One pass, isn't it? Yeah. One pass and you're gone. Southampton opening day of the season. Incredibly lucky to get away with victory. If Shane Long had put away that chance, it's a draw. But throughout that game, the last 10 minutes, after Liverpool went in front again, Southampton were all over them. You would presume, at home, you just killed the game. It's absolute panic. They have regressed considerably, haven't they? Yeah, Steve Peters' greatest failure is Steven Gerrard. If Steven Gerrard has the foreword foreword to Steve Peters' book, he needs to get rid of it because he is not a good example of the work Steve Peters has done. Um, I did enjoy your if Shane Long would uh, had put away that chance, which is pretty much what's going to be his epitaph, I think. There we go. Uh, well, the, thing, the elephant in the room, you didn't mention about that West Ham game last season, Nathan, was that the grass was just too long. Um, Big Sam has had another bit of a grumble this week, giving out about the grass length police, as he's uh, calling Stephen Gerrard specifically, who said the grass there last year was too long and apparently officials at every ground now every week have to go in and measure and make sure that the grass is no longer than 30 millimetres Brendan Rodgers was giving out about the length of the grass at Anfield after the match against Southampton that it was too long it was slowing them down Liverpool they want to play at pace they want to get the ball on the ground pass it quickly yeah, well, the bloody grass was 35 suits, suits the millim- Yeah, well it can't, be any longer, it, can't be any, it can't be any longer than 30 millimetres mm. uh, and Gerard was also saying last season that the dressing room was too hot and the bus was parked a mile away from the ground to which Sam Allardyce says, well, your, your bus driver clearly isn't in the Premier League because everyone else manages to reverse into the space we give them. Uh, so uh, Sam Allardyce, I remember last year, actually waiting outside the press box before that game at Upton Park for about two hours in the freezing cold as they uh, decided not to open the press box until about an hour beforehand. Sam Allardyce, there's about 100 journalists queuing up. Sam just drives straight through the middle of us, almost knocks down about five people and just parks directly at the door of the press box so you literally have to squeeze past this jeep and just leave it there <laughs> and just walk straight in Sam Allardyce tried to kill you well, essentially is what I'm trying to say <laughs> attempted murder uh, right that is the late game West Ham against Liverpool that was a really crap story Saturday wasn't it? at half past five <laughs> really boring um, yeah so let's move along swiftly we're going to just get a very quick word in a lot of these games uh, the early game on Saturday is QPR against Stoke um, we mentioned QPR a little bit earlier. Uh, Dave reckons they're going to get uh, relegated. Harry reckons they're improving. Uh, that his players beginning to get up, get up to speed. Uh, some of them after having no pre-season. And perhaps he has a bit of a point. Uh, Leroy Fair and Sandro both started against United in that 4-0 loss. Colker and Rio alongside Clint Hill in defence. And maybe they will get better. I think we've already said enough about this game. What's uh, next? <laughs> uh, Aston Villa against Arsenal. Uh, this I, is an interesting one. Listen to a bit of uh, Arsene Wenger this week. There was a really interesting. I don't know if anybody else saw it. it. Was on. It was a promotional video for something or oh, other yeah, where yeah. Arsene Wenger was asked a bunch of questions. He was asked about using four four two. Says he likes to uh, be able to transition it to four three three, and said the four four two is the most rational occupation of a football pitch. Well, presumably that's why it's been the most used formation for what a century and a half. It's interesting, isn't it? The most rational occupation. Of a football pitch. I came out of watching that video. Everyone should watch it if you get a chance. It's on... Well, it's all it's on balls that I yeah. think. Uh, because you do come out of it with a lot of respect for Wenger, what he's achieved. And he just... He's such a footballing nerd. He said at one point, the, the, somebody asked him his biggest advice to young managers, to sacrifice your life, there's no life outside this job. 
I, my, my hat is off to you, but God, that's depressing. Sounds like what you said to me the day I started. <laughs> <laughs> and you heeded the advice? Well, Absolutely not. To a certain extent. Arsene Wenger, there was a time when he had the most satellite dishes of any house in England. Because he wanted to watch so many matches. That is quite the, that's quite the claim to fame. There are a lot of, that's quite the claim to fame. That essentially he just spends all day, every day. And there's like one satellite dish, not, I mean, why do you need so many satellite dishes? Surely one, well, the idea of a satellite dish is that it. No, 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 you need to, if, you don't just want the sky channels, you want. Yeah, but like some maybe one, one satellite, sat, channels. Cha- satellite dish is going to take all the channels, channels in. I mean, why do you need several satellite dishes? Well, I don't know if one satellite dish will take Oh, here, lads, in. please. We're le- hemorrhaging podcasters here. <laughs> well, we've got... I we mean, followed this unless, one up. What do you hemorrhage from, like, three? We followed satellite. up the satellite story from Nathan Sam Allardyce's story. Like, I mean, ultimately, you got one satellite satellite dish inside your house. That's going to pick up all the channels. Arsenal, Arsene Wenger cares. Let's the bigger question Arsene is Aston how Arsene Wenger has all these satellite dishes, all these TVs, watches all this football, and still hasn't realised that Mikel Arteta is not a holding midfielder. <laughs> well, he clearly knows that he's not. The what? reason for Why him does he still play him in that position the, every week? The reason to continue to play him in that position, that's not quite so clear-cut. But Aston Villa are going really well. They have beaten Liverpool at Anfield last weekend. Arsenal were so bad on Tuesday night, it's almost indescribable against a shell of a Dortmund team. Yeah, but is, even that shell of a Dortmund team, do they not play to a certain philosophy under Klopp? And that's what destroyed Arsenal? But, that, but that so what? Even, I mean, even, a, even should, a poor Bruce Dortmund are still far and away ahead of... But they shouldn't be, not with the players that Arsenal supposedly have. Even their best players, like Aaron Ramsey's clearly the best footballer at that club over the last, say, 12-month period. I know he missed three months with an injury. He was woeful on Tuesday evening. Wiltshire didn't seem to know what he wanted to do. Sanchez, by far and away, the worst game he's played for Arsenal since he arrived. They've had a really poor start to the season. Blessed to get past Crystal Palace on the first day. Should have been hockeyed by Everton. They dropped points at... Um, Leicester City and they were blessed to get a point at the end last weekend when they should have dominated the game should have beaten City and yet were clinging on for dear life in the last 10 minutes Yeah that game against City really just summed up Arsenal completely in one 90 minute performance you finally think here's a side all the questions about their fight and everything are answered when they get that goal when Sanchez scores that goal to put them in front and then as you say they're hanging on for dear mm. life at the very end there's a great opportunity for Villa to follow up the Liverpool result with another really good one yeah and uh, they have Darren Bent who scored five in his last five games He's, he likes to play against Arsenal uh, that's five and five against Arsenal eight in his last last 11 I don't think he's going to get a chance to prove say, that record he won't play is, <laughs> is the he's only <laughs> problem facing Darren Bent tomorrow <laughs> I'll edit that part out those um, numbers will be did, exactly did as they are like, I clearly won't there was one moment during uh, Villa-Liverpool I think that summed up the new Villa philosophy a ball diagonal ball came over over to the back post and there was somebody nobody really near Sissoko at the back post but he decided to just hoof it out for a corner anyways and at most clubs you would get slated for doing that whereas at Villa all the players went around patted him on the back it's no nonsense defending don't take any risks whatsoever they were leading by and goal at the time and it probably was Annie or will do from pretty much yeah. the 8th minute when they scored last weekend but if Villa won this game I don't have them in my treble but if they did I would not be surprised Arsenal haven't kept a clean sheet yet and they may not keep one this weekend Ger has uh, Arsenal in his treble not before going for Villa and then very quickly Arsenal always do enough the moment you think they're going into crisis they always just get a win 
they'll win tomorrow. Uh, Burnley Sunderland is at Turf Moor. That's that one previewed. Newcastle United against uh, <laughs> Newcastle United against Hull City at St James's Park. And we spoke a bit last week about the I idea. Can't wait till Sunday afternoon of, when we've Stephen Ward and Stephen yeah. Reid as our co-commentators. Yeah, we didn't preview your game because Adrian said it was shite, and he's not around, so who cares? Uh, yeah, Newcastle against Hull uh, spoke last week about the idea that Pardew has two games to save his job, and the first of those was a four 0 thumping at Southampton, and now it's on to Hull City. He's talking about the near mass hysteria is the quote from Alan Pardew um, today or yesterday, whenever it was, around him, and how it's impacting negatively on his players. They've lost 16 of their last 24 Premier League games. I would think that's kind of impacting negatively on his players. It's not hysteria. Um, I have to admit, I did steal a lot of Nathan's notes. I'm about to rob one of his stats here, but they've won once in the last 12. I thought the two of you were kind of coming up with the same shit this week. It's incredible how bad they are. And they played um, City on the first day of the season. I covered that game for off the ball and Newcastle showed a lot of really positive parts of their game and you just felt that if they could have a goal scorer up there that actually might cause some problems for players but or for other teams but the guys they brought in really haven't approved at all over the last three games. Revere up front looks like he's way out of his depth in the Premier League and Cabea, I don't see anything Cabea's from him that tells me that he can survive in this division. Yeah, I just think they're gone. They could very... I was tipping Villa to be relegated at the start of the season. If you're to revise everything you've taught mid-August... With what on the evidence of what you've seen the first four games, I would yank Villa out of that and I would replace them with Newcastle because at the moment it's hard to see where they're going to go because they won't be signing any players until January and at that stage they could be in dire straits. But on the evidence of what you've seen, yes, Newcastle could go down. But if they continue this way, Pardew isn't going to stay in the job. Well, no, he'll Who be do gone they bring in? Yeah, but saying that, Mike Ashley hasn't really shown any indication. That he wants to get rid of Alan Pardew. Well, his contract is 2020. I would imagine that's kind Look, of part of the reason for that. You're left with no choice. Even the most stubborn owner, even the, an owner who doesn't give two hoots about what the fans think, eventually you know your team. Or he's a business. This is what happens when you meet someone in money. a nightclub after you've had a few drinks. It all starts <laughs> off brilliant, you know. There's a lot of good times, and, and then three years down the track, contract. yeah, you hate each other's man, guts. Man speaking from experience, there. And, the, <laughs> and the interesting back, backdrop to this game is that Steve Bruce is continually being linked with the job at St James's Park. And it would be an absolutely ludicrous mistake on his part to actually take a job. What? He, he he no doubt covets that position, but why would you want to take it now? Because you're the manager of Hull, a Hull and team that are actually going places. But for how long? It's only five, six. Hullers, I think they put together a good squad, but Hullers side who could easily lose five, six games in a row, and suddenly they have a crazy owner as well. They sack Steve Bruce. Your reputation is gone. If you get an opportunity to manage Newcastle, a team who if they invest a bit of money, if you can get these players playing, could finish in the top eight. I think if you're Steve Bruce and you get the chance to take the Newcastle job, you take it. It's pretty much as good a job as an English manager can get. I think part of uh, Pardew's problem as well is that, well, quite clearly, they haven't scored in eight of their last ten games and he's talking about the, you know, the the, the Newcastle defence and how it's not quite operating the way it was, but, I mean, ultimately they've gone with Colicini, Jan Matt Williamson and Haidara in their last two games back to back so here he is saying that mm, it's not really working out for us defensively yet going with the exact same thing he doesn't it's have anything else the idea that's of, the biggest problem like uh, Stephen Taylor is his next Taylor, best option Paul, Paul and he Dummett. is not Dummett. I don't know the two yeah. Dummett didn't have a bad season last season the story that came out this week about um, Colicini no the Gutierrez Jonas Gutierrez oh. is really that's upsetting almost like he's been diagnosed with testicular cancer he's had to have testicle removed in Argentina they're not playing for his treatment they pretty much told him when he brought them the news that he'd been diagnosed that we don't really want to see you here again you're going to have to find who a new who are we talking club. about here? Giannis Gutierrez that Newcastle said that to him? yes and that, was, that was what was implied in the interview I was wondering afterwards 
was it maybe taken up wrong? Because there's no there's no way Alan Park surely to there's this no very way well. Newcastle turn around and say we don't want to see you again. Well, they did release a statement which in no way clarified the situation. They did wish him all the best for a speedy recovery and that was about it. By the way, I mean, it's a, it, Jesus, a terrible thing and obviously wishing him the best and all that kind of stuff. I mean, in terms of paying for his treatment, I would have thought he'd be more than have the capacity to do that himself. Okay, well, why don't w- compare that with the treatment that um, Stylian Petrov received when he was diagnosed with cancer at Aston Villa. I mean, he was heralded as an absolute legend. Up until he completed his treatment, they were standing up in the 19th minute for about 12 months and applauding their former captain. Jonas Gutierrez has given an awful lot to Newcastle over the last three years. He was sent out alone to Norwich last season. But I just think that maybe a lot of things are overlooked at a club as chaotic as Newcastle and maybe this was one of them. No, no, they I, haven't okay, handled I, this situation. On like that point, I agree. Have. I just In terms of the actual payment of the thing, I don't know how deep that goes but look anyway uh, Newcastle against Hull City it'll be interesting to see if uh, Pardew if they're beaten and he manages to survive that the only other game I think we've left is Swansea Southampton and it kind of strikes me in many ways that Swansea uh, Southampton version 2 is pretty similar to Southampton version 1 and it points to what a brilliant job uh, Coleman has done here well what I really like about Southampton is Graziano (laughs) Pelle (laughs) <laughs> Here's a guy, uh, six foot four, picked him out in the first day of the season against Liverpool, and I said, This guy is going to be great. He's going to score a lot of goals. And then I'm listening to last week's podcast. I'm driving your back from mistake, the West. Nathan. And I'm listening to last week's podcast, and I hear this beautiful Italian described as a donkey. <laughs> what did who's he do not going to score too many goals. What did he do the following day? If I wasn't uh, putting this podcast together, we, we, we would not be hearing that audio <laughs> if it was one of you two. Yeah, he scored four in his last three games, the big donkey. Uh, 23 and 28 league games for Feyenoord last season. Look, I, I'd seen it. Uh, that was based on having seen him over the first couple of games of the no, season. He was terrible against Liverpool. And he was pretty shocking. Um, and that was what I was basing it on. He may well go on to be the player of the year at Southampton. Um, my specific phrase was that he's six foot four, and if the ball goes beyond six foot five, he's just not interested. Uh, but he seems to be a little bit more interested. Over it's the a really interesting weeks. game, this one, isn't it? But Swansea obviously had a massively good start of the season, picked up three wins in their first four games. And Southampton are coming good after losing to Liverpool in the opening weekend. They went out to West Ham, won comfortably, hammered Newcastle, although how much you can take from that remains to be seen. This is a game that's extremely difficult to call. There'll be some really good football played by both teams. and Two teams who could finish eighth, eighth and ninth yeah, yeah, easily I, this I, season. I, this was, would be one game I would like to go and see. Uh, Swansea haven't conceded a goal at home. No team has ever been relegated after taking seven points from their first games, first four games. So, Swansea have that. I'm sure we'll have completely forgotten about that stat if uh, if they manage to get uh, relegated. That's and also which means that in no way are Manchester United safe. <laughs> they only have yeah. five. Time for us to, that's just really points out the bullshit nature of <laughs> Nathan's statistic, I think is the point about that. Um, no, time to fact, wrap up, Nathan. Shut up. Time to uh, finish the podcast this week. Nathan, uh, Dave, just sit tight, sit tight. Sit tight just a second. We've got to do our trebles before we go. Oh, yeah. I'm going to kick things off. Oh, um, I'm going to go You've for... You've gone big this week. I have gone big. I didn't realise I'd gone big until I looked at the odds, at which point I realised I'd gone very big. Um, have I've you gone figured out how to work the odds now? Manchester. I actually worked them fine last week as well, but the plebs I was in with uh, figured I hadn't. I've gone for Manchester United to beat Leicester. I've gone for Southampton to win at Swansea. And uh, the other bit of a gamble I have here is a draw in that Newcastle Hull game, all of which amounts to about 14-1. to 1. So, you know, none of us up to this point have managed to get a single one of these right. So I'm going all in here at 14 to 1. I'll do Jers while I'm at it. He is going for uh, Arsenal to beat Villa. He's going for a Burnley win 
uh, at home to Sunderland. I think that's a bit of a gamble. And he's gone for Hull to beat Newcastle in that game. I don't know how, how, many, how much uh, that is, but we shall find out later in the day. Nathan, what have you got? I'm really starting to doubt myself having discussed the football for the last half an hour or so, but I'm going to go for Liverpool to win away at West Ham, Manchester United to win away at Leicester, and Newcastle to win at home at, to Hull. That That's last ambitious. one would seem to be nonsense. Odds of just over 5-1. to one. Um, They are extremely poor odds for that. Yeah. I would suggest. United having to go to Leicester. Look how disappointed he looks. One of the worst teams <laughs> like in the division. It's like a kid who's after getting Hull. a massive box on Christmas morning and opens it up and, and it's full of balloons. And all of discussion over Liverpool. <laughs> anyway, I've gone it's very hard, safe. It's only the first one that will actually win now. Yeah. I've gone very safe. Uh, Manchester United, Everton at Manchester United to uh, win at Leicester. Everton to beat Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace and Tottenham to get the best all right, that's it, lads. Keep the podcast afloat over the next few weeks. Uh, <laughs> about that. Good stuff. Good luck. Cheers, Adrian.